right now it's definitely more about reaching across like networking across mm -hmm. of people at my same level and just trying to help each other because sometimes people try to look more up for help and it's better to just all like bring each other up at the same time if you can i know that's very difficult because uh, the industry really tries to separate you from other people they try to make you competitive and it's important not to be even though like it's, it is very hard because it's basically like crabs in a bucket but <laughs> no, it's very important to stand on your own like like stay true to yourself and value everyone around you and just recognize that nobody is above you and nobody is below you. Welcome to Ellas, a bi-weekly podcast made by Latinas for Latinas. I talk with talented, inspiring, and empowering women who are living their dreams and paving the path for the next generation. I'm Brenda Hernandez Jaimes, and this is Ellas. Hola, welcome back to Ellas. I'm your host, Brenda Hernandez Jaimes. Thank you for joining us once again here on Ellas. Ellas is a podcast where we amplify empowering Latina voices who are living their professional dreams, creating an impact in their lives and our communities through their work and opening the doors for the next generation. The goal of amplifying our stories and voices is to motivate you while you pave your own path and to remind you that you are not alone in this journey. If you would like to support the show, you can buy us a cafecito at Buy Me a Coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash ellas, where you can donate at a one-time basis starting at a dollar or more. We have set up our first goal and we're so close to reaching it. So it would mean the world to us and me if you can help us get there. Of course, there are other ways to support AS like following the show, wherever you get your podcast, listen to past episodes, leaving a review, or sharing your favorite episode with your amiga. For episode 67, I have the honor of introducing my guest, Josie Melendez. Josie Melendez is a Puerto Rican writer and entertainment journalist named an emerging content creator by the National Association of Latino Independent Producers, NALIP, and an emerging journalist by the Toronto International Film Festival, TIFF. She's also the founder of the Film Posters podcast, one of my favorite film podcasts alongside Latin Excellence, a platform hosted by Four Boricuas dedicated to analyzing film and television from their cultural perspective. Driven by love for her culture, Josie approaches storytelling that inspires through female-driven Latinx and Caribbean stories. She was placed as a finalist for the inaugural 2021 Circle of Confusion Writers Discovery Fellowship and her feature script, Swimming in Cuba, placed in the second round of Network Visa Fast Track Fellowship, as well as a semifinalist in We Screenplays Diverse Voices Screenwriting Lab. Please welcome Josie Melendez. Hola, Josie. Thank you for being on AYAS. This is an honor, seriously, highlight of 2021. And like I said before, film posters, is one of my favorite film podcasts. I love just the perspective and the criticism that you all forgive. When you listen, you realize that all of you take the time to do your research, your work, and you say it with so much love for film and for the artwork and knowing that it takes a lot of work to create a film and, but also realizing that there's some faults in it and that, you know, the film director team can do better and it's just amazing to listen to a podcast from a Latino perspective. And it's like, yes, they get everything. While, you know, as a viewer, you watch these movies and you don't listen to like these white critics saying the same things and ignoring the same issues. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Oh, and thank you. I'm really 
eso es lo más que queremos hacer con este proyecto, porque mm -hmm. most of the time, uh, the perspectives that are given a bigger platform are those consistent voices, los que son blancos, son hombres, mm -hmm. no del mundo de la misma forma que nosotros, y just being able to analyze both from our perspective is very important, specifically our Puerto Rican lens. Mm -hmm. And there's also the added bonus that we are three women and one man, so there is that balance of gender perspective, pero también usualmente you don't see that many women talking mm -hmm. about criticism, which is why I also, I'm a huge fan of Latinx lens because I love Rosa, I love Catherine, I love what they bring. And I just hope just that it continues creating a domino effect because we need more voices like that yes i completely agree we need more voice uh, latina voices in film criticism as well in podcasting and i feel i'm in the podcasting medium as you the majority is our white male mm -hmm. like every industry but you know latino podcasters are rising up and then you alongside latin excellence are one of the biggest film podcasts in my opinion out there that are really creating the work providing a perspective and creating ripple effects because you have been able to create so many connections and it's just from you know the first episodes of last year till now it's just like it's like oh my god seeing you all grow and like reaching out and going to these festivals it's like it's amazing seeing all that effect coming in and impact so uh, I just want to you know say thank you again and ask you you've shown us all of work and these accomplishments in your early you're in your early 20s so it's just it's amazing to see you thrive so I want to really get into the deep into it like who is Josie behind uh, film entertainment writing and the script writing like who is Josie well a little bit about me I do think that I'm still trying to figure out who I am especially like again I always think that where we're going and who we've been and where we are is constantly evolving and maybe we never fully understand who we are but that is just a sign that we're constantly like constantly changing and evolving it's just a part of growing up as for me I'm just very proud of where I come from I'm Amila. I'm gonna be that typical Latina like is gonna have my flag hanging from my back or like a t-shirt con la bandera y todo eso porque I so being proud to say Boricua y cada vez que tengo la oportunidad I will bring it into my work and wherever I am because we rarely get to take up space as Latinos and si puedo representar a Mila and we're just very proud we're all very proud Latinos are very proud but Puerto Rican siento que nosotros siempre estamos como que tú sabes que yo soy boricua sí sí me encanta que eh, well if you go to film posers it's film posers and un podcast boricua and the way you all say buenas it's just like I, I don't I'm like alone doing you know my bad cleaning and I start the episode and I say buenas with all of you and then like bye <laughs> when the episode ends and I was like I, I although I'm Mexican I'm like I love listening from your Boricua perspective so mm -hmm. definitely I love that you are proud of your where you come from all of you for I love that because when I meet a Latina who's proud of where they come from and they take that pride and love into their mm -hmm. work and whatever they do, it's just like we, like we were talking, creates a ripple effect. And not only are you opening the doors for the you know, previous generation to come and pull you up, but you're also doing it for the next generation that is coming. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Josie, I'm 
super interested because yeah, you, you did mention that you started first as a, wanted to be a book writer mm-hmm. and then that went into entertainment, film criticism. You even went to SCAD. So I'm really curious of that thought process of transitioning into this career and going into SCAD. And I feel it's one of the most, in my opinion, the best schools of the country for creativity. And very curious, like what were the opportunities that were given to you as a student that you were able to take advantage once you decided, oh, I want to grow into entertainment writing and uh, film criticism. How did you take advantage of it? Well, Film Posers was born during my master's, my last year specifically. Mm -hmm. And just getting there I really went very wide-eyed because I wanted to go to art school for the longest time so being accepted into SCAD and being able to attend was very difficult and it was just one of those moments that was like wow I made it and then it was also a lesson to show that you never truly make it it's constantly which is I saw it the other day where someone was talking about how soul the Pixar film is about see yes. como que we always have this goal and we think that once we get to this we're going to be happy and everything's mm-hmm. going to be set but it's one of those moments where I learned like no la vida son varias etapas mm-hmm. y mientras vas creciendo you're going to meet different goals and there's always it's going to feel sad when you finish because it's like what mm-hmm. now but then something better is going to come around the corner so being at SCAD was one of those moments where I quickly learned that and I started there were a lot of hurdles there were a lot of obstacles mm-hmm because it was one of those moments because SCAD really is perfect for networking and it definitely feels like a taste of the industry mm-hmm. and there were a lot of moments where my imposter syndrome like that was the real test for imposter syndrome I there were moments I almost dropped out twice really what yeah. made you decide not to I kept listening to breathe from in the heights that was whenever I was breathe from in the heights let's listen I had a really good support system gracias a Dios tenía una profesora que a veces me cogía y ella I know your imposter syndrome is getting to you but you're good like you're gonna be okay but mm-hmm. because sometimes our stories don't feel enough and even though I know like I'm not I'm going to pat myself on the shoulder. I do think my writing is good, but you start to realize that a lot of the industry is someone giving you a nice push. A recommendation goes a very long way. Mm-hmm. And it was oftentimes a little, uno se desinfla cuando ve que you're trying so hard and then it's not enough. Yeah. So it was one of those moments where you realize how the industry works, specifically with especially diverse stories the black indigenous and people of color that were attending the school and that was one of the biggest hurdles that and obstacles that I had to face just seeing all of that but overall it was nice to be able to connect with other students Mm -hmm. of color and being able to confide in each other and have that good support system as well but I'm glad I didn't drop out (laughs) because it was a major accomplishment I loved what I did I loved what I studied I am I'm honestly grateful for everything I learned because it really did make me a better writer yeah and I'm really curious Josie so obviously with imposter syndrome you're working twice triple as hard and you're not seeing the effect of a change and I want to go deeper because you all both or you all four explain like why we created film posters in mm-hmm. this episode but for our listeners on yes you know first time listening to you mm-hmm. can we go deep on you realizing oh this is Whatever I do, it's not going to be enough. 
was that one of the reasons why then Film Posers was created and saying like, we need our perspective Boricua. And if we can get into these spaces, we're just going to create our own space and just yeah. go for it. I think subconsciously that was definitely there. I can definitely see, because it is how I feel now. And it is very rooted in how Film Posers transcends Mm-hmm. in these spaces but at first it was mostly just us feeling as though if you didn't feel a certain way about a film if you didn't react a certain way about a director if you didn't have the same opinion as everyone else you were a poser you were a film poser mm-hmm. so we were like huh because I think at that moment it was Joker Todo el mundo le encantaba Joker, y nosotros estamos como que we feel a certain way about Joker we don't entirely agree y si no te sentías de la misma forma que todo el mundo you were wrong so we were like let's take film and posers these two words that are being used against people that don't feel like the majority and not for bad reason and like we're all film posers we all feel a certain way we don't we won't always have the same opinions and also like we have different perspectives again and sometimes they come from a cultural lens or they come from a lens of sexuality and gender it all shifts so we can't expect the same results each time so that's how film posers was born how everything was falling into place and how people were reacting to what we were doing and the way people were valuing our input. We could push film criticism into a certain direction. And mostly the most important part that we took into consideration was, of course, Latinos in the mm-hmm. industry. That was my biggest thing, but also women in the industry and non-binary creatives in the industry that are trying to get out there but aren't given the same opportunities because of their gender or their sexual orientation especially like where they come from and people will try to deny that but it does affect how the industry supports you mm-hmm. so that's like the big consensus of why film posters exist what we try to do our mission and everything and it's just analyzing from a cultural perspective trying to uplift all these people trying to do the same thing and you know, you're coming at this with a Boricua perspective and amplifying this diverse perspective in film criticism. And in a way also mentioning, you know, accomplishments that they were able to do. And going back to what you said earlier, how all these accomplishments, it's a journey. And I think Mm -hmm. as anyone, especially for Latinas, when we work towards a goal, Mm -hmm. once we reach it, we're like, okay, now on to the next goal. And then Mm -hmm. For you, has it been a journey of learning of to take pause and like bask it in and embrace, vivir en ese logro? And then like, okay, now on to the next. Or do you just forget about that you, for years you've been working for this? And then once you achieve it, you're like, okay, on to the next one. And like, you don't take a moment to like enjoy it. I really like to take a moment to enjoy it. I used to be one of those that was like the next thing, the next thing, the next mm-hmm. thing, because Again, I am in my early 20s. Well, I'm 25. So I feel like como en Hamilton, que como que gotta do it like I'm running out of time. <laughs> Siempre siento que I need to make the most of everything. But recently mm-hmm. I've been trying to let myself estar más pausada y vivir el momento. Because I think it was, I'm not to brag. No <laughs> brag. Bragging. I'm not bragging. Please, please. But <laughs> when we went to Cannes, yo nunca había ido a Francia. Yo no pensé que eso sería algo. I was there and I was like, yo, una boricua, where most of the Puerto Rican critics that have been to the festival, mm-hmm. you can count in less than five fingers. And they've all been men. 
So for me and my coworker, Ileana Melendez, we're not related. We just have the same last name as tends to happen with a Latinos. Lot <laughs> 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 we were there. It was like a moment that we stood there. We were like, nosotros estamos aquí. Nosotros mm-hmm. somos dos Latinas en freaking Francia. Sentadas con todas estas personas, viendo películas and writing about them. How does that happen? Like you, you think you're like, you don't deserve to be there. And it's like, yes. I'm going to allow myself to feel that I deserve to be here so then then other people can feel like they deserve to be here because it shouldn't be a spontaneous thing that happens once in a time it, mm-hmm. it should be something that more people other than that should be able to experience porque también we were able to meet with a producer that the República Dominicana that just happened to be there as well and we were like caribeñas we were just it, it's just one of those things that it's so rare and it shouldn't be rare. It should be, it should be more common and it, it makes you sad, but at the same time, it makes you hopeful and it just fulfills you. Mm-hmm. So you moment I was like, okay, it's nice to take a moment and like bask in the moment and enjoy it. And you, you rarely think so I, that was the best example. <laughs> oh, yes. I love it. Nate. Thank you for saying that. It's not bragging. It's not bragging because, like you said, you know that when we start talking about our accomplishments, it's like, I mirala ella, y es como que, no, let me, let me enjoy it. <laughs> and I guess it's about that. It's, I guess it's about reminding, you know, even the guests and the listeners that it's all right and totally normal and even like healthy to share these accomplishments because when we are feeling down, we need those things that we've achieved. And like, I'm not an imposter. I know what I'm doing. I, I did that. Like, and you did that. You went to Cannes. Like, oh my God. So, and I want to go deeper and like, okay, all of this work, because it's a lot of work that you put into and, you know, creating connections, your work, what you do for film posters, you edit, you do the brand, you do so many things also researching and then recording and everything. So it's a lot of work. So I want to go deep, Josie, like, it's just not the magia, like you put in the work. So obviously you achieve that. And through film posters and being an entertainment writer and script writing and film criticism, you said it's hard to make a life out of this, you know, and a living and everything. So I really want to go deep in seeing todo es color de rosa and you have to hustle. So how do you approach this to create these connections, to make these achievements happen and really just go after your dream and make it happen? Because we can talk about it and like, oh yeah, it's so easy. She went to Cannes, but like, how were the steps yeah. that you did to make it happen? For that specifically for Cannes, I think it started with Sundance we applied for press accreditation. And I will say, not to discredit us, but I do recognize that it was easier to get into some of these festivals because of the pandemic and because of virtual opportunities. But that isn't a bad thing. That created more accessibility for more people of color that cannot afford to travel to these festivals and cannot afford to room or find places to stay. Mm-hmm. So seeing more people of color isn't to discredit us saying that the pandemic made it easier it's just made it more accessible which is Mm -hmm. how it should be and it really started with Sundance we started getting accepted to all of these festivals and we started building those credentials and doing our coverage and then I also write as a staff writer for Full Circle Cinema and it was a mix of submitting those editorial as well as those audiovisual reviews and those credentials that were able to get me into Cannes with my co-host Ileana Melendez and it's yeah. just been a lot of organizing because we do 
I like to treat it, it's not a job, but I like to take it seriously. So like for film posers, for example, we're doing this on our own time. We don't mm-hmm. have an, an, like some, a superior to report to or anything. So it's mostly up to us to keep that order. So we like having meetings. We have a schedule. We plot out everything. And of course, we try to make sure that everyone's, because we're two of us are in New York and then two mm-hmm. of us are in Puerto Rico. So make sure that everyone can be there to record this day, et cetera. Then like I edit the audio. Anna is the one that edits our video. So it's a big collaboration and just a lot of organization. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you mentioned how, because I remember listening to the Sundance episode and it was like, oh my God, yay. I'm so happy for them. (laughs) And I remember that you mentioned the episode. Yes, it was so, it was amazing how this, it was much more accessible Mm -hmm. for critics because obviously, you know, sometimes there's not the money to go and fly and Mm -hmm. stay in a hotel, but this made it, you know, having links and just from the comfort of your bed or wherever you are, click on it, watch the movie and give your review. That was I think a positive change in the industry moving forward now, do you think maybe it's too soon even to, you know, give your opinion, but do you think that change will continue? Has it gone back to how things were to make harder for, you know, POC critics to put their foot in the industry or how are you seeing these positive effects that COVID has brought? I definitely think that unfortunately we are going back. Sundance is still going to keep its hybrid platform, so it will be virtual and in person. Let's take a quick pause on today's inspiring conversation to remind you that there's nothing more important than staying connected. We're living in a fast-paced world, so it's vital to continue being inspired, not only by this empowering conversation you're listening to, but also through our helpful tips, community updates, promotions, special announcements, and freebies. Be the first to know of all of this by subscribing to our newsletter over at ellas-media.com slash newsletter. That's ellas-media.com slash newsletter. Esperas? Subscribe today. Now let's get back to the episode. But a lot of these festivals are going back to in-person. And what that means is that even if they have, like recently, there were a couple of festivals that we were able to attend that despite having a virtual platform, the bigger name films were not Mm. included. And while that is not their decision, it's not the festival's decision, Mm -hmm. it is the distributors and the production companies that work with these films because they choose how they want to promote it. But it is a little bit sad when most of the time it's critics of color that are able to choose that virtual option because, Mm -hmm. again, they cannot afford most of the time to be able to attend these festivals. So unfortunately, hopefully they start to see because a lot of people have been speaking up on it, especially with these past few festivals, and hopefully they start listening and trying to be a little bit more inclusive. I know that I have been seeing a lot more inclusion when it comes to press screenings for films, especially big blockbusters like right now, Eternals, Mm -hmm. it has a diverse cast. So you would hope that there are diverse critics talking about it. And I am seeing a lot more critics of color being invited to those kinds of events. So hopefully it does continue because one of the most important things that is why we also do film posters is that a lot of the times the films that 
don't make as much money as the bigger films, et cetera, are those films directed by people of color or with people of mm -hmm. color involved? And a lot of the times it's because the critics don't, if it's not your background or your culture, you're going to review it from your cultural perspective. And sometimes people, especialmente white men, <laughs> aren't <laughs> able to detach themselves from that. And they might call the story not unique enough or might criticize the diversity as being a ploy when really it's like no these are stories that are being told genuinely by these people and it's not their fault that you did not connect with it so being able to have diverse critics that are able to connect with those stories does help because they're the only people that can justifiably say whether something works or not yeah and I remember a long I wouldn't say a long time ago because mm. it feels like a long time on Twitter I, this Latino media company were like disappointed that they didn't get an invitation to uh, see the screening of Little Woman. And it's like, oh, we're only invited to mm -hmm. the screenings of Latino movies, but not of white-led movies. Like, why do they only think of us for, like, POC stories? But when it comes to, like, a white story, like, oh, we don't even get to have the opportunity. Yeah. And you saying that, hopefully, within the Eternals, like, we get to see more critics into the fold. And, you know, you currently are in New York. And I think it's, like, the perfect place, the mecca of film criticism, filmmaking. And I think it's, like the best way for you to even connect even more and create more positive change you know in the time that you've been in New York with COVID obviously in in mind how have you been able to navigate this new chapter of your life because before it was SCAD but now it's New York and now you have all these accomplishments in your resume that you're like hey you can't close the door on me like I've been able to do this and now you have no reason to deny me access and I wish it were that easy and people people still deny you access and you would think that's what uh -huh. we were talking about earlier that you would think that with those accomplishments people will open the door and so far I have been able to get that door open because of mm -hmm. those credentials, especially like I'm going to hold Cannes Film Festival and my resume and I'm going to be like, hello, but you still have to fight for those mm -hmm. opportunities, which is a little bit sad because some people at your same level that might look differently or be from another cultural background will get it a lot handed to them mm -hmm. a lot easier. And it's not to say that we're not all putting in the work and effort, but you do see the differences, especially yes. with my colleagues that just all the people that I know that are black and especially indigenous or that don't live in the United States aren't given the same opportunities mm -hmm. and it's still a problem but hopefully like moving from Georgia to New York it's definitely a different beast it's definitely mm -hmm. a different environment there is a lot more cultural diversity in New York compared to Savannah so I do appreciate mm -hmm. that And there are so many people here. It was like for New York Film Festival, that was my favorite part because I got to meet a lot of people that I only knew from Twitter. And I was like, oh, you're a real person. <laughs> so that part is very, very good. Networking has been very good. So not selling New York to anyone, but if you are, if you do care about film criticism, you don't have to move here. But like they always say, Los Angeles and New York does help. People are nice. People are a lot nicer than people give New York <laughs> credit for. Mucho Latino everywhere. And that makes me very happy. <laughs> Because I hear Spanish at every corner and I'm like, sí. Eso es lo que yo quiero escuchar todos los días. Sí, más que estás extrañando Puerto Rico y la sí. isla. Y escuchar el, el español constantemente es como sí. de... Va caminando por la calle y pasa un carro que está playing bachata a todo volumen. And you're like, ah. Recently, I went to New York for the first time. And I was mm -hmm. so happy that I actually... I was hearing more Spanish conversations than when I'm like walking in LA. 
And I was like, yeah, ah, que bonito. <laughs> I was like, really, I like that about New York. So I, I kind of get like you being like, oh, yes, more in your element that you feel more welcomed. And like you said earlier, you know, you in Scather, you had a teacher like you're not imposter, an imposter. You, know, you got this. Yeah. Now in New York, do you have any mentors, Latinas or Latino mentors, or they don't have to be, you know, mm-hmm. Latino, but who value your work and want to see you grow and thrive in this industry? They're more welcoming, like you said. Yeah. How have they been able to help you navigate and grow in this new chapter? Yeah, right now it's definitely more about reaching across, like networking across mm-hmm. the people at my same level and just trying to help each other because sometimes people try to look more up for help Mm -hmm. and it's better to just all like bring each other up at the same time if you can I know that's very difficult because uh, the industry really tries to separate you from other people they try to make you competitive and it's important not to be even Mm -hmm. though like it's it is very hard because it's basically like crabs in a bucket (laughs) it's very important to stand on your own like whole like stay true to yourself and value everyone around you and just recognize that nobody is above you and nobody is below you mm-hmm. in terms of mentors it's mostly been I've had a lot of kind people que también son Latino. so it's mostly been reaching out specifically to more Latinos in the community that are here because nobody will understand you more than despite like regardless of whether because it's been people from all over like Republica Dominicana, Mexico, Ecuador we get each other we understand mm-hmm. the struggle and um, while our histories might be different our accents might be different we understand so definitely uh, I think my biggest thing has been finding people mm-hmm. that share my cultural values and everything I love that you said you are networking on the same level, like horizontally, because mm-hmm. I remember a conversation with one of my guests, Floria Gonzalez. She's a multidisciplinary artist. She said, start with the people that are around you mm-hmm. or just trying to make it work or making it work, putting in the same effort as you, because once you in 20 years, you're all going to are going to be like the ones that are, have more power in this industry and are able to like you grew next to one another. And I think a lot of people not in every industry kind of forget that like, oh, yeah, we have to help each other out because one critic here was able to go to Cannes. They're going to help me take the same steps or requirements to get there, you know, next year. So I'm glad that you did mention that. And Josie, now that, you know, we talked a bit about film criticism, but Mm -hmm. you yourself are a scriptwriter. You yourself are not only, you know, giving that perspective and that critique, but you're also doing something about it and making a positive change into Mm -hmm. film. So I want to get into that of like from literature to film writing. It's very different. Obviously, Mm -hmm. your script has been was placed in second place for competition so like how has it been able for you to find and pulir tu voz and your background and put it in into script writing and hopefully make it and make that script you know come alive yes. and be on a movie yeah as many people will say you need money yes <laughs> but until then just trying to again be as honest as possible to what i'm writing but to myself I make a lot, most of my stories are very personal and they have a little bit of me from different parts of my life or things that I've been through and just put there because if I'm going to be writing, I want it to heal me 
Mm-hmm. So I definitely one thing that I said when I was I guess with Leo Rydell from Twitter was I really do believe that if you're gonna be a writer regardless or like regardless of what you're doing whether a writer a creator whatever your line of industry put effort into what heals you so hopefully because if I'm trying to find a way to make peace with whatever has come and gone I hope that putting that on the page or on the screen can help someone else come to terms with whatever they're going through or whatever they've been through and just very human stories because I always tackle like grief relationship problems mostly like be it familial or friendship specifically not necessarily relaciones romantica because those are things that we go through constantly and sometimes we don't have an outlet to discuss those which also if you can go to therapy I recommend going to therapy therapy is great <laughs> and see mucha veces um, going from literature to screenwriting to me was all connected especially it started when I took film and literature class mm-hmm. in high school and then I took another one in college and then I saw how those two could mix And studying literature really helped me just be able to have like find that humanity in people throughout history and in writing and seeing how nah, creando cosas que sean bien humana and that you could connect with because that's why we pursue arts, which is mm-hmm. why durante la pandemia todo lo que consumíamos eran libros, películas, cine. Y people are always like, because you know, people are like, you can't, make a, yeah. you can't make a living, you're not going to make it, that, eso no te puede sostener, eso no, a veces hay gente que hasta dice que no sirve. What did you use to seek comfort? Because we all felt so lonely and those outlets help us feel less lonely in this very weird world we've been put on. Oh my gosh. Yes, I agree with you. You know, everyone says you can't make a living out of art, but you know, in those dark moments, art is what saves us. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be only in the dark moments. It should be in those moments where a pandemic is not going on. And Everyone should be paid equal, like what they deserve. Okay. Our union strike. We, everyone deserves to be treated equally because most of like writers, assistants, script coordinators, all these people that are helping, they deserve just treatment. Porque es que it doesn't, it, no magia, como dijiste. Yeah. Everything takes hard work and yeah. it needs to be recognized and compensated. And I love that you also mentioned in the no episode of the film posters and the New York mm-hmm. Festival. Uh, the workers were you know striking for you know better treatment better wages and it was just I loved how you didn't ignore that you didn't mm-hmm. and you mentioned it more than once and I, I love mm-hmm. that how it's not just in film, film criticism or script writing it's like everywhere and I think the film industry you know it's not just that it's also the workers that are making this festival happen and yeah. you know it's also important to talk about it And, you know, for script writing, I'm really interested how you said for you wasn't just a big transition. It was just like seamlessly. Yeah. Uh, Are you curious of, you know, going back and maybe like writing your own novel and do the healing in another form of medium? Because Mm -hmm. I think you're healing many Latinos, myself included, through film posers. You know, you're doing that for with your script writing, maybe with a book or a novel. I hopefully I, I have written two. It's just about trying to do something with them. And again, that imposter syndrome is something that I fight with a lot. And hopefully someday that can happen. I have a lot of babies. I have like those two novels. I have a couple of scripts that hopefully it's just a matter of me organizing and getting them out there. So uh, I wouldn't say no. 
I will say that like, again, the seamlessness of it all, I do think that I am where I'm supposed to be and that mm-hmm. all of this was supposed to happen. So hopefully everything will fall into place when it needs to. Pero si, algún día. I love books. I work at a bookstore right yeah. now. So I, I love them. It's my happy place. Nothing like nothing can heal a heart more than a good film or a good book. <laughs> yes, I agree. And I love that you mentioned that you currently work in a bookstore because a previous guest, Daliaku, she mentioned that while she was building up her illustration portfolio and she was working at as a retail worker, and it took her a lot of years to talk about that because it was like shameful. And I love that you mentioned, yes, you're you're doing you know full circle film posters and which is creating connections and you're some earnings through Anchor, but it's not you know it's not a lot of money and but you're also you know working through some freelance work and you have a bookstore and me encanta que no te da pena mencionar eso because I think when we talk about making our dreams happen we only talk about like the good things and accomplishments but we don't talk about the hard work and like oh I have to make a living so I'm gonna if I need to work too in the mm-hmm. bookstore I'm gonna work in the bookstore so thank you for saying that and no problem and like you know, maybe our one listener is like feeling shameful that they have to do that. So Josie, para ti, obviamente no te da pena. Entonces, can you tell us about some word of advice? So if you have to do what you have to do and if mm-hmm. you have to work in the bookstore, it's okay. It's definitely like, for example, when I was at SCAD, I worked as a barista. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yo, like, estaba en la cocina. I would make people coffee. <laughs> I had to do janitorial duties. So it was a little bit of everything and there is no shame to that. I remember once I had the opportunity to be in a little workshop for people that wanted to be writer's assistants or be in a writer's room or be a script coordinator. And one thing that someone said that stayed with me was that when writing your resume, don't feel ashamed of putting those service jobs because it shows that you have a way with people. It shows that you will probably have compassion, patience. Okay, you're someone that's that has put in the time and effort and also an effort if you've been a barista, you probably won't get someone's order wrong. So that's also a plus because they rely on that. <laughs> but yeah. there is no shame to that because again, it shows that you're a person that has put in the work and efforts. And again, uh, that, that speaks volumes. So never be ashamed of that because it just says where you're coming from and it'll speak volumes about where you're going yes yes and i think it goes full circle to speaks volumes of where you're going Mm -hmm. not pushing you know you have your two babies that are you know those books that when the right moment comes they'll be published they'll be shared Mm -hmm. to the world and i'm really curious just you know you've in 25 years you put in the work, the time, and you've seen estos éxitos, lo lograste, no? Entonces, but the journey doesn't end here. You know, you're still mm-hmm. doing that work, same work. So what can we expect from Josie and from, from posters? Because honestly, you've accomplished so much things in those two years. I just think like you're going to even do more in the third year coming. So what is next from film posters? What is next for you? Right now, it's mostly we're just going to keep trying to put the podcast out because we have realized how much it does help and it does mean. And it's been very fun to do it. And we love doing it. And I love the podcast. So that's our main goal because right now we're so busy. We also realized that if you have like if you do create content and if you have something, it's okay to take a step back and think about your time and, of course, self-care. So that's yeah. very important. So right now, like, for example, if our episodes are a little late, we're trying to be more compassionate with ourselves because mm-hmm. it does get harder. 
So that is one thing that you can expect, which is for film posters to continue. We're also trying to nurture more our YouTube channel and trying to do more things. Like I want to do video essays. I have been trying to do that for a while, but it takes a lot of editing and it intimidates me. But I'm excited because... I just want to talk about films, just give them like a separate time and just Mm -hmm. go deeper into the analysis. And just also for me specifically, doing more freelance work. I love, I've been loving being able to contribute for different platforms and being able to actually be an entertainment journalist. Mm -hmm. It took me a while being able to call myself that and being comfortable like, am I one? Am I? Is that what's going on? Because again, that imposter syndrome, we gotta, we gotta get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> but see, sí, definitivamente quiero más oportunidades en términos de entertainment journalism and just in terms of screenwriting, lots of projects I'm working on that hopefully things will happen, but it'll take a little bit of time, pero deditos cruzados. <laughs> And okay, okay, you said something and I need to ask you, like, what made you step into fully saying, embracing, I am an entertainment writer. I kind of get it. When I used to get a new job, I would like wait three months and like share it. Like, I get it. But what took you to say like, oh, yeah, I'm an entertainment writer. Like, I'm not an imposter. I went to Sundance and then I did all these things and I was like, I'm not an entertainment journalist. But then I don't remember when exactly the switch was, but I started using it. I started putting it in my resume. I started mm-hmm. putting it on my socials. I started using it more and I started feeling more comfortable with it. So I can't remember pinpoint the exact moment. But there definitely was a switch where I was like, I deserve this title because I'm putting in the time and effort. I am writing reviews. I am recording podcast episodes with the film posers. We are creating content. We are doing this. We are interviewing people because we've been able to interview different people. And I think maybe around the time that it's solidified, that it wasn't just like, hmm, soy, soy un, una periodista. Cuando I started, people started reaching out, like I contribute for Cherry Picks, which is like Rotten Tomatoes, but for female and non-binary critics. And they reached out for me to interview Kiara Alegria Judas in the Heights for them. And I was like, is this a thing? Is this a thing that's happening? <laughs> so in some moment, I was like, I am the entertainment journalist. This is a thing. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. And I think once you fully stepped into it, you, with that mindset, you're seeing new doors opening that you might've not seen before because you were still like, not fully accepting of all the work that you've been doing and who you are as an entertainment journalist. And that's so true. And I'm excited to see those video analysis because I can take hours. Like I can spend, I can spend I the day. I should so often. And I'm like, I want to do this too. I, I think yeah. they're fun. They're fun. And I know it's hard work. So no pressure when you, when you're ready, I'll watch them. I'll spend the whole day watching them. And I love that you said about fun posters because as a podcaster, podcast producer, it takes a lot of work i think a lot of people don't take the time to like mm-hmm. you know like it takes a lot of time researching recording editing and giving yourself that compassion of like oh i, I missed two days to publish this episode mm-hmm. but it's okay like giving you sort of yourself that compassion it's okay and i think for the listeners including myself like i'm we're not gonna get mad if it and the new episode didn't come out mm-hmm. we understand that you're doing the work you're doing a lot so it's okay it's gonna come out when it's gonna it's come it's- out and it's gonna be ready it's gonna be amazing so yeah i'm, I'm excited for what's next to come from film posters and for you josie and 
And this conversation has been amazing because you've been so open in your journey and those obstacles. And, you know, you're still going through it a bit with imposter syndrome. I think it has to do mostly with part of me is like, I know, I know I'm doing, I'm getting the job done. I'm doing this. I deserve to be here. But it's just mostly not fighting because I do think it is internal, but a lot of it is often placed on us mm-hmm. because we're different. If yeah. we don't fill the standard norm, we're like, do we deserve to be here? Which is so common in so many critics of color. And it's like, yes, we do deserve this. And despite maybe sometimes you might experience some gatekeeping and that will happen, but definitely changing your mindset and thinking, yes, I deserve to be here helps you get farther. Yeah. And Josie, you know, you've, you know, this conversation, you've talked about where you've been, where you are and where you're going. But if you have the opportunity to travel back in time and say something to little Josie as maybe the darkest moments of imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. when you thought maybe those two moments of like, I'm gonna, you know, quit SCAD and just go back Mm -hmm. to Puerto Rico. What would you tell yourself? Definitely would tell myself that going back home isn't bad because I was afraid that if I went back and I'm going to go, oh no, I'm a failure. But going back to your home is not a bad thing. Sometimes you just need to recharge and remind yourself where you came from. Mm-hmm. So that's also good. And if there are setbacks, it's only to push you forward even farther. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yes, it's. It's like a slingshot. See, exacto. I love it. Yes. And for any listener who's like wants to break into film criticism, maybe they're script writing and mm-hmm. they want to talk to someone that, you know, just gets it or just some advice to break into this industry. Where can they follow you? Where can they follow film posers? Let us know. You can follow me at Josie Marie, the Josie Marie, <laughs> at Twitter and Letterbox. You can also follow Film Posers at Film Posers on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. We post there all the time, specifically our Twitter. If you want to find out more about stuff that's happening, I would recommend our Twitter. And for me, I'm often on Twitter. If you'd like to see some of my film criticism, then definitely my Letterbox. But yeah, those are the best places to find us. Well, you heard it right there. Follow Josie, follow Film Posters, and support them because they're doing great work. I love reading your reviews on Letterboxd also. <laughs> and so just go listen, go support. And because by supporting and doing that small change you can help them grow and create that path for the next generation of critics to go and not only have five Puerto Ricans in Cannes, we can have 20 or more, please. Mm-hmm. So Josie, and gracias a ti for being so open, so honest, so true to yourself and just sharing and, and yes, bragging about your accomplishments because you've done so much and I can't wait to see you grow even more. I know you're going to, I know I'm going to see a movie that you wrote very yes, soon. So let's, let's, let's give up. And thank you for listening to this amazing conversation with Josie. You can continue this conversation on our website at agus-media.com where the blog show notes and all the links will be there. And you can follow us on Instagram at AS Media double underscore and follow me at Bren underscore J-A-I. Thank you once again, Josie, and thank you. And I'll see you in two weeks. Adios. AS is an AS Media production created, hosted, and executive produced by me, Brenda Hernandez Jaimes. Our video conversations are edited by Javier Ortiz Ruiz. Our logo and podcast cover art was designed by Jennifer Cepeda. And thank you to Shiro, who created the podcast theme song, Sunken Street, 
you can download this track on freemusicarchive.org or listen to him on Spotify, YouTube, or follow him on Instagram. This is Aegis Media.